Hey there, voice teacher. It is Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today's podcast, podcast number 40, my special guest is Mr. Ben Bowen. Now, Ben is a children's music educator from Hamilton, Ontario, and his wonderful program at Mr. Ben's Open Door Music is quickly becoming one of the most popular children's music programs here in our area. And today, Ben is sharing his inspiring teaching approach as as well as some teaching strategies from his music program. Welcome to the Full Voice Podcast. Resources for private, classroom, and choral music programs. And here's your host, Nikki Loney. I am sitting here in my basement with uh, a good friend, a new a new friend, a good friend, uh, Mr. Ben Bowen. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Okay, so I have to tell everybody how I accosted you uh. on the street. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> this is pretty much how I wrangle people for podcasts. Nice. So you, you were playing on the on Lock Street. <clears throat> you are playing on Lock Street uh, at the Lock Street Festival. In front of Citizen Kid. In front of the, the delightful kids store that we have, Toy Store on Lock Street. And while you were playing, I was that obnoxious <laughs> woman that came down and I'm signaling to you like... I need to talk to you. I'm not finished singing. <laughs> Stop. I'm going to mess up. Right? And you're like, I, I could see the look. You're like, okay, crazy lady. <laughs> Anyhow, so, and then I accosted you in the store later. Right. And I said, yeah, yeah. you have Mr. Ben's open music class, open door music class. Uh-huh. And I need to talk to you about a podcast. Like, were you like, who are you, crazy lady? A little bit. It had yeah. been a stressful day, though, because I had had a... Um, a, uh, a conflict oh. with another person on the street who was busking and was very oh. angry at me and swearing at me in front oh, of the no. kids. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> so, well, so at least I my, my hair was all standing on right. end. It had been a crazy time. All right. But since then, we have we got together. We taught, chatted. We, uh-huh. We've learned a little bit about each other's businesses. And uh-huh. um, so... I'm really excited for you to talk about your, well, a lot of things. But I was going to say, I feel like there are too many things to talk about. I know, yeah. I know. Ben and I, so Ben and I, our sons go to the same school. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of after-school chit-chats, which are fantastic. <laughs> and none of the other parents understand because we're both musicians. We yeah. both went to Humber College. Mm-hmm. We both have toured. We both have been in the recording studio. I, I went on a tour once. Yeah. That's it, just one. You know. It was very short. Thankfully, I didn't do a lot of touring either. And yeah. when I do, uh, touring is not my thing. No, it's, I wanted it to be. I really wanted it to yeah, be. Yeah, me too. I thought I was supposed and to be. And then I looked at the map and we were like crisscrossing instead of doing things all in a row. No. And I thought Abby was like three or oh. two at that point. And I thought, this is dumb. Why are we doing it this way? Mm. But we have a lot in common and we have some really great conversations. But I'm really excited because you have this fantastic program, music program, mm-hmm. um, for preschoolers. Yeah. Up until about age five, technically, although I've got a little girl who was um, in the theater program that I was teaching about four years ago, who's still coming to my classes. She's seven. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm I'm really interested because you've shared some wonderful musical activities that you do. So first of all, uh, let's start with how did you get started with a... A preschool children's music program. How did you transition from professional musician into music educator for young kids? Well, I take issue with the idea of professional musician. That suggests <laughs> that you can make money and a living making music. <laughs> which okay, I think is subjective a, yes. word there. All right, no worries. Um, 
Uh, so I've been doing it for seven years. My daughter is 11. Um, and I had worked a couple of corporate jobs and done quite well at them, but hated life. Mm. And then I worked for um, a music retailer for about nine months and hated life even more. Wow. Um, and then I decided when Abby was little uh, and she needed kids' music to listen to, the Bare Naked Ladies came out with their kids' album and she ate that up. Oh, but really? after that, we tried to find stuff for her to listen to and it, it was... It, there was a lot of kids' music that I wanted to claw my ears off. Mm. A lot of stuff that parents don't want to listen to and, and kids love. Um, and so I went looking for that kind of music and, and um, got back to like Raffi and Sharon Lewis and Bram. Right. And then realized those were songs that I could play. Mm. I wasn't much of a guitar player at that point. I had taken guitar when I was little, but then um, when, when I taken up guitar, but never actually taken lessons. And when I went to... Uh, Humber, I was a trumpet player. Right. Um, and it occurred to me that people do this. I thought, wait, people like jump around with kids and play music. <laughs> I could probably do that. So um, I went on to Craigslist and looked for a job teaching preschool music. Wow. And I spent probably a couple of hours because I didn't know what I was looking for. And I found one and I replied to that ad. And the same time I replied to that ad, um, I got in touch with a music school that I had been teaching trumpet with mm -hmm. sort of nominally i'd had one student in like four right. years right. <laughs> i was on their roster but they didn't get a lot of call and so i emailed them and said hey you guys do this could i do this for you wow um and it turned out that it was the same thing they were the ones who had put up the craigslist app. oh and so the same day they got two emails from me saying hey can i teach universe. for universe yeah so i went for an interview on the 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 person who was leaving had given two weeks notice and so the first week they did like interviews and grab resumes and the second week they did job shadowing wow so i did my my interview it was crazy something like on the tuesday or the monday and then i did my job shadowing on the thursday no it must have been the friday um and so i had to like show up and have a song to do with the kids and so i like learned shake your sillies on guitar oh i love that song around with the yeah, kids yeah. and did that um, and at the end of my job shadowing, the person who was leaving that I was job shadowing with said, well, you should probably start on Monday. <gasps> and I was like, I'm sorry, wait, what? <sighs> yeah. Okay. Well, that, um, can you give me all of the material that you're doing? Uh -huh. And she said, no, it's kinder music license and you're not a kinder music teacher. Bye. Whoa. Yeah. So I went back to my parents' house and grabbed the Sharon Lewis and Ram Bram and the Rafi records and learned as many songs as I could oh. and spent the next month or two like getting by by the skin of my teeth and jumping around trying to do songs and I had recorded I remembered some of the songs that this woman had done in the classes that we had we were so as I drove home from the job shadowing I did I got out my phone and recorded as many snippets of those songs as I could so that I could uh, learn them and teach right, them the next week right um and that was really the beginning and so I taught two classes at the same place every week uh, and then needed more material and got back, um, tried again to find more kids' music. And there's a ton of great kids' music that's out there, but a lot of it is not um, useful for um, singing in right. groups, for right. doing as as a group of, of kids. It's not mm -hmm. useful for moving around. It's not useful for... Um, and so I eventually found my way back to the 1950s and the folk revival mm. because all the 80s stuff, the folk revival that happened here uh, that happened in kids' music in the 80s was only in Canada. And so it's oh. actually fairly limited because there's Eric Nagler, Fred Penner, mm. Sharon Lewis and Bram, mm -hmm. Rafi. That was it. That's kind of it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so to go further back and realize that that all had other sources from the Ooh. 50s um, and found Pete Seeger. So in 55, Pete Seeger put out five CDs because, um, or five records. They didn't have CDs. They didn't have CDs. No. Nope. <laughs> um, because under McCarthy, he had been banned from being played on the radio Whoa. or in clubs. And so really? he was like, well, I guess I go into the studio. So he put out five CDs or five records okay. and played at summer camps. And that was his huh. income for like the next few years. Wow. And three of those CDs were kid CDs. One was called like Birds, Beasts and Bugs. And the other was called Bugs and Little Fishes. And so there's <laughs> a compilation one called Birds, Beasts and Bugs. Birds, <laughs> Beasts, Bugs and Little Fishes from 1955. And I used two thirds of that record. Wow for my content for classes mm-hmm. and then started writing. So it 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 billowed very slowly, but it, it grew and grew. And eventually, six years later, I was working at seven private preschools and wow. running the musical theater program for um, three to five-year-olds at Theater Ancaster. And I had 14 private students. So I was teaching about 350 kids a week. Holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> seven days a week. Oh, and I was working for music together on Sundays. So like seven days a week, literally. Uh, and Open Door Music had been around from 2000 to 2015. And then she retired, Martha Kruger re- retired in 2015. And the business sat fallow for a year. And a friend of mine who I had met through the theater program um, said, hey, do you know that this is for sale? Mm. And so I approached her and bought it. The irony being, when I started teaching seven years ago, I actually talked to Martha Kruger and said, hey, are you looking for, like, an apprentice, somebody who could take over the business when you're done? And she said, nope. Oh, and then <laughs> and then look what happened. Yeah. So oh, wow. that's so now I've, yeah, I've been running this, this business, doing the same sorts of things, but with more freedom wow. for not quite a year and a half. So, I mean, you basically come up with your own curriculum. Oh, yeah. So it's not a licensed, like you said, kinder music. You have to it, run it by can't there. Be. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I was teaching music together classes uh, for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was learning those songs, I was aware that I, I knew more than half of them. I knew maybe two thirds, mm. three quarters of them mm-hmm. because they were the folk canon. Mm. And so I was learning, I, I was learning to teach songs that I already knew <laughs> uh, and realizing actually, I have my own versions of, of lots of these songs and I like I have a Pete Seeger. So we would like get together as, as a group of teachers and go over the songs. And I'd say, have you heard this Pete Seeger version of this? Have you heard this? Which was great. Wow. Yeah. So how many classes are you running in a week? Um, I started in September of 2016 with about nine classes and they were all about half full. So right now I've got six and I'm going to have seven as of next session. Um, and I, each class has a capacity of about 12 kids. Okay. And then how long is each class? 45 minutes. Okay. That's yeah. a good length. Well, it's a, it's, yeah. I think that it's a long time yeah. for a child of yeah, like between 14 months, yeah, 14 months to five years old. Right. Um, and so I have a couple of directives for my, I, the first class. I say to everybody, I have two rules. The first rule is for parents and that's that you must take part. Yes, yeah. I want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, and the second rule is for kids, and that's that they're not allowed to run because I have insurance, but I never want to have to call in it. <laughs> <laughs> if they run and like if a large child smokes a small child. Right. They're in big trouble. So really, those are the only two uh, rules we have. So you're encouraging movement, but just not full-on running. Not full-on running. The closest we get is galloping. Oh, okay. Fair uh-huh. enough. Yeah. <laughs> now, 
I want to talk about the parental involvement. So yeah. this isn't, we were talking about this a little bit beforehand. So when the, the parents bring it, it's not a drop-off. It's not a drop-off. And, and it I'm, can't be with I'm that I'm quite age. clear about it. Yeah. yeah well, for uh, for one thing, it's a safety issue. Right. As the, as the number one, I'm not an ECE, so right. I, I can't legally be in the room with them. Mm. Number two, it's a safety issue for me. Yes. That as a male teacher, I don't want to be in a room alone with a whole bunch of kids. Very good. But the kids are, I mean, they're little and mm-hmm. they're, they're, you know, they are not going to engage for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I tell the parents, I don't expect your kids to engage for 45 minutes. We sit in a circle when we're sitting and we do stuff. But, and your kids are sometimes going to love one song this week and hate it next week. And mm-hmm. that's totally fine. And they will, I, I say, they will orbit in and out of class over the course of the class. But as the parent, if you're engaged, the kid is going to come back because you're doing it, because you're having fun. Mm. It doesn't matter how involved and animated I am. The kid is watching the parent for cues. Mm. This was this was something that I learned from from Music Together, really, um, is, is that I'm not really the teacher. I'm the facilitator. I'm the one who has all the music and has all the instruments and has the curriculum um, but the parent is the really, really the one who the child is being taught by. So if the parent is singing, then the child is more likely to sing. If I oh. sing, kids will listen to me as an entertainer, but they won't listen to me and as along. somebody who to, who to be sung along with. Oh, yeah. that is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Is it difficult for some of the parents to? It's always difficult. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty goony. So I, <laughs> I occasionally say to parents um, that I... that along with you have to take part i dare you to out goofy me oh nice because it's it really helps that i throw myself into it yes if i was kind of wooden and stoic and wasn't into mm. it they they couldn't do it but yeah. um it's a very active class and it's i get to be really silly it took a long time to get there we should talk about that too um but yeah the the parents the parents have to be involved and are you comfortable in front of Moms and dads? Um, no. Ah, so in the beginning <laughs> yeah. you weren't, yeah. Well, at the beginning when I was just teaching at private preschools, there would be one teacher and sometimes two teachers in the room. In the room, mm-hmm. and then I could position myself such that I didn't have to see them, so that I didn't I didn't have to remember oh. that there were grown ups in the room, right? Because I could be silly in front of kids, but being silly in front of grown ups in front of kids was really tricky. It's different, yeah. It's totally different. And yeah. then when I started teaching music together classes, all the parents are in the room, right? And number one, you're being really silly. But number two, uh, my my worry was always, I the, these guys are the ones paying for the classes, and sure. if I screw it up, they're going to think I'm not getting value for my money. Oh right. Um, which was, I, I don't know why that was my primary concern, but that was the thing that I was really worried about. I don't. You know what? You're not alone on that because yeah. I know a lot of private teachers don't enjoy having parents in the room. Right. And I think that's a big fear yeah. that, that they would – well, I think the fear is we have to explain why we're doing what we're doing, right. which I personally don't see as an issue. Like I think that's important. I do more of that than I used to. At the beginning when I was teaching music together, I found it really hard to interject with the whys. Yeah. Um, and since I'm doing my own thing and I'm more comfortable in it, I'm able to say – like this is the method to my madness. These are the reasons that we're and doing things the way that we're doing. For sure. Yeah. Um, non-musical moms and dads don't understand. No. And we need to help them with that. Yeah. Um, and and also, uh, yeah, with the classes that I teach, the more I am involved, the more silly and animated and engaging I am with the kids, hmm. the more the parents like it. 
Yeah. Like what they want for their kids is to love the music, Mm -hmm. is to love being part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I'm awkward, then the kids are awkward and the parents are awkward. And probably the other way around. When I'm awkward, the parents are awkward and the kids are awkward. Right. Um, And so when I let go, when I'm able to be kind of fully engaged with the music, um, it's the kids engage more and that's what the parents really want. That's what they're looking for in, in my program. Right. It just took a long time to get there. Get over myself. Oh. It's hard to get, out, get outside of your... I, I guess it's ego, but yeah. it, it's just ego manifested as fear. Like it's just you're totally terrified of looking like an idiot. Right. It's the false narratives, right? Yeah. Those those fears that we run around in our brain over and over and over again. and yeah. They're not true. It's just, well, and we spend such a long time in our lives trying to look cool. <laughs> Like trying to look, right. yeah, trying to fit in and, and look cool and be, and you, as I think, yeah, it took me a long time to get to the point as a teacher of believing that I was an expert, oh. of believing that I knew what I was doing right. and that I didn't have to look cool. I had to lead it. I had mm. to be in charge that if I could show that I was, I knew what I was doing, it it's it's it makes being cool not an issue at all because that's right. not the thing that's not it's, right it's they're two completely separate things and what parents want is for you to show some direction and to know what you're doing and to yeah now you do some really interesting stuff with um, uh, classical music with the with the kids can you tell can you tell everybody so about that? I went to school for jazz but I grew up in a house with classical music um, my dad was part of a record club when really? he was a, like a teenager. Oh, okay. Like okay. an actual record club okay. <laughs> where they sent records and they were classical records. And so he would get like Beethoven six this week or, you know, <laughs> Mozart's first violin concerto. Right. Um, and so he listened to a lot of classical music and he, yeah. he, he, uh, my great grandfather was a classical cellist too. So my mom had, my mom had some of that in, so it goes in back. her background. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then my, my parents are British. So, the, so there was like, Beatles mm. and actually Beach Boys who aren't British um, <laughs> and Neil Young and Bruce Coburn, but there but there wasn't any jazz in in my in my wheelhouse. That's right. your word that I've been using for a couple of days. Oh, okay. Uh huh. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, thanks. So the classical music thing um, was sort of bred in the bone when I was little, and then I veered away from it for a long time when I when I went into jazz, and then when I went back to finish my um, my degree, 12 years on from the beginning of it, <laughs> I had to take the same course three times. So my, my music program at high school was amazing. And so we did, when I when we did our like history of Western music, we used the same textbook as when I got to Mac. <laughs> okay, yeah. It was the same first year course, the same textbook. And I was, I was just, it was so angry. It was so dreary, yeah. Um, and then when I switched to York, they said, you may have taken that course, but you have to take our course. Okay. Oh, I took it four times. Four times. Because then when I when I went back in 2009 to finish my undergrad, they had switched. The, so there were two sections. There was like history of Western music and history of um, music of the world. And Western music was se- section one when I was there the first time. Mm-hmm. But when I went back, it was section two. Oh. And so I took the history of Western music four times. <laughs> but the fourth time, it totally clicked. Because oh, I was a mature time. student, I, I went in and I was really digging everything I was doing. And so I got really heavily into the classical music stuff hmm. and loved it. And went into my first year, uh, the first year of my master's, I went into composition. Because I had fallen in love with that that kind of that, that way of 
um, that kind of music. So now in my classes, I use classical themes. Um, I set words to them, and we use them in class. So we use Beethoven's Fifth. We use Satie's Shimnopidi Number One. Wow. We use Debussy's Claire de Lune. Mm. We use uh, Dvorak's uh, New World Symphony. We use uh, the um, Pathétique. Oh. The piano one. It's not Symphonie Pathétique. Sonata. Yeah. The the yeah the Sonata Pathétique. Oh. So I use lots of those as oh, and we're using um, Grieg's in the Hall of a Mountain King. Oh. Yeah. How much fun is that? It's super fun. It's also super creepy. It's the one that the kids have the most emotional reaction to. If there are kids really? who are going to be afraid of a song, that's the one they're afraid of. And you write lyrics to them. I, I write lyrics to them because I want the kids to... We're, I feel like there's a lot of that music is getting lost. Mm. A lot of uh, our generation and certainly their generation do not have access to it. and don't. No. It's not anything that they listen to. Mm. Um, and it's sort of the basis of the music that we listen to. Mm-hmm. I... Really, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I find Mo- Mozart really boring. And it's because all of our pop music is based on what Mozart did. Right. Like all of his movement, all of his harmonic stuff is Mozart. Right. And so every time I hear Mozart, I think, yeah, 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 the Beatles did that. And like, no, no, <laughs> no, wait. no, no, wait, the other, the other way around. Uh, right, yes. Um, That's hilarious. Yeah, but so I want the kids to have songs that are based in classical themes Um and when they get older, to hear them on the radio and think, oh, I, I know, know words that. to this. <laughs> yeah. Right? And then go and look it up and realize that they know all this classical music. And maybe for that to be um, the starting point of them digging into all the rest of it. Oh, that's so... What a, what a great introduction. It's fun. Yeah, I really like it. A number of them are lullabies, like the Symphony mm-hmm. Pathétique is a lullaby. Mm-hmm. Uh, Satie's, <laughs> Satie's Snowflakes is what I've actually called it because we use that one as a blizzard. Oh. So we you like use scarves in, in class and um, start it as a gentle snowfall and then it becomes a blizzard. Yeah, it gets oh, the, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Now you've also done, uh, maybe not in this this group of kids, but you, you told me a little bit about doing songwriting with them. Yeah. So I worked at the Oakville Academy of the Arts for a year. Um <laughs> and I, when I started there, I thought I was just doing my regular, like, jumpy, aroundy preschool music stuff with them. Right. Um, and it turned out I had the same group of kids four times a week. Oh. oh. I didn't know that was going in. <laughs> and not only four times a week, but I had the same group of kids um, twice, two days a week. So I would have them once in the morning and then an hour and a half later have them again. Oh. I didn't know that until I got there the first day. Oh, dear. And so I did my my thing, and they were like, okay, so you'll do the second class in an hour and a half. And I had an hour and a half to, <laughs> to, to come up to with decide, a whole new what, curriculum. What are we going to do? Oh, my goodness. Um, but it was kind of great uh, because um, it was an art school. Mm-hmm. So these were kids whose parents either saw the value of um, arts education for them or saw some sort of natural what we call natural ability just some some affinity for it they mm-hmm. st- they seem mm-hmm. to really love what they were doing so they have dance every day they have music every day they have visual art every day they wow. have yeah it's a pretty great school and so over the course of that year i, de- I developed a, <laughs> a a makeshift curriculum mm-hmm. that i then implemented when i started my my um, music school here when i started mr pen's open door music um and it's yeah it's songwriting it's it's using the fundamentals of, um, of of songs to try and come up with different ways to to get into it. So, um, 
for instance, we talked about what the five elements of a song of a song are, and so okay. I would sing a song, and then I would leave an element out. I would leave out the timing. Oh, and just sing it rubato and say like, "What are we missing?" And then we would figure out, "Oh, you're not, you know, you're not singing with rhythm, or you're not singing with time." Huh. And then I would sing it all in monotone, and they'd say, "You're not singing the tune." I'd say, "Okay, so tune is our second element." And then I would sing it without the guitar. Why aren't you playing the guitar? Well, that's the harmony. Oh, you're leaving out the harmony. So. Bit by bit, we figured out what, what all the elements of a song are. Um, and I taught um, time signatures in terms of geometric shapes. Wow. So most of our songs are squares. Some of our songs are triangles. Occasionally our songs are pentagons or hexagons. Ooh. And these are things that they get, right? Because they're just learning shapes. So they're this was the shapes. older kids. This was JK, SK, grade one kids. Wow. So they were already getting shapes in school. But for right. me to say, hey, you already know this. What's this? How many corners does this have? How many sizes does this have? If we count... Back, here's how we count a song. Start in the top corner. One, two, three. See, we're back to the top corner. We've counted four. So this song is, is this song in four? Is this song in three? And then we would do the same thing of like, okay, let's write a song. Uh, let's write a triangle song. And then we would say, really basic, happy, sad. Right. You want this song to be happy? Yep. You want this song to be sad? Major, minor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really just giving them lots of different avenues for being creative. So wow. sometimes, so I bought a bunch of... Um, uh, Canadian tire buckets yes. as big bass drums. Right. And each kid would get a tambourine and a bucket and sticks and a, a shaker. And, right. You know. um, and I would say, okay, now I want you to come up with a piece. I want you to like write some music. And they'd say, well, I don't know how to write. And I'd say, no, you just have to draw pictures. Like make visual representations, really. So if your bass drum is going to be a circle, make it a circle. If you're, if you're, you know, make each one and then just do a pattern. Because we talked about that's one of the elements of a song. Element, yeah. That was a hard one to demonstrate. How oh. can you sing a song without pattern? <laughs> well, that's just through composed. Yeah. Did you talk about again that with again. the kids? Actually, we didn't get that hey, far. Hey, kids. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, and so the first time we did that exercise, I would say, come up with your own symbols. Wow. Come up with your own notation system. Okay, now that you've done it, switch. Switch your papers. Mm. These are JKSK like grade one kids. So they can't read, but they can explain each other's symbols. Okay, wow. this one's the drum. This one's the, okay, now play. Okay, can you play, you go ahead and play Clara's piece. Okay, now you go ahead and play Grover's piece. We, I didn't have a Grover. There was a Clara though. Um, <laughs> why is that difficult? You know, why can't, why is that so difficult to do? Well, because right. their pictures look different than my pictures. Okay, well, what if we come up with, like a, uh, what if we all decide on what those symbols are going to be? So let's talk. So I would draw it on the board. What is our drum going to look like? Wow. So they would all come up with universally. Okay, it's going to be a big circle with a little circle because that's what the bottom of the right. Canadian tire bucket looks like. And then we would do the same thing. Okay, now write a piece using these pictures and now switch. Now is it easier? Yeah. Why is it easier? So in you're teaching music notation. Yeah. Wow. I'm teaching the reason for music notation. Right. Right. And a lot of what I'm doing is really teaching the 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 foundations without <laughs> them knowing that they're the foundations. Isn't that's always my motive of I'm teaching you something, yeah. but I'm not gonna let you know what like introduce introducing sight singing like right. is just visual like pointing to tonic sofa cards. Yeah. But it's the introduction to sight singing, but I don't tell them that. Have you seen have we talked about this? Have you seen that Bobby McFerrin thing where he yes. stands on stage and jumps yes. side to side? Yes. On a pentatonic scale. Yep. And he he jumps to places that they haven't sung yet and they but all they can sing hear the it. same note. It's incredible. Yeah. It's yeah. incredible what, what 
is in us. We just need someone to bring it out. Yeah. And to demonstrate it. Yeah. I know. I love that. I've watched that a million it's times. bananas. I mean, he's, yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah. What are some of your challenges when facilitating group lessons? What kind of group lessons? Those well, kind of group lessons? Well, your, little... your Mr. Ben's classes. What's some of your challenges that you face? Do you mean business challenges or musical any, challenges? Any. No. <laughs> you know what? Both. Let's start with let's start with business challenges. Um, the main business challenge I faced was that the business had had laid fallow for a year before you purchased before it. Before I purchased it, okay. She retired in 2015, and I did not purchase it until 2016. Okay. And so for a full 12 months, all of those people who were in her classes went elsewhere and found music classes. Oh, every last client was gone. Oh man, um, the you funny had to thing start was, from scratch. I had, yeah, I kind of did. Yeah, I had three people in one of my classes who were from some of her classes. Yeah. So when I heard them talking about open door music, I actually approached them after a class and said, "Just so you know, I just bought that." They were like, "Oh, really? Oh, we're coming to you." Which oh, great. okay. Um, but yeah, I I had to start from scratch. I mean, I got a client list. Yes, but it was. But um, many of those clients. <laughs> kids were already in high school <laughs> so it was an old client they list. were yeah thanks for yep. that um and some and some of the kids uh, yeah I, I got a very small percentage hmm. of those people coming back and so i really had to start from scratch um so i'm probably running half as many classes as she was running when she left and it's your goal to build those up yep okay oh yeah um yeah, I mean, the nice thing is because I was working at private preschools and it started so slow. Like, it started with two classes. And then, mm-hmm. the, you know, I had like four. By my fourth year, I was running seven classes. Wow. I learned to live on very little for a long time. <laughs> so I'm I'm used to subsisting on nothing. Right. Um, uh, and, yeah, so now my baseline was last year and it's growing very, very slowly. Mm-hmm. But it's it's slow and it, it is solid. If nice. it had been a sudden influx of like 300 people and I could only keep 30 of them, that, that would have been... felt much worse. Right. right? Of course. Um, so the fact that I've got clients now who have been with me for 16 months. In mm-hmm. fact, some of them, as, as I said to you before, there's a little girl who's um, at the theater program who's followed me here yeah. with her little brother. Oh, nice. Right? So I've known her for four years. She's seven now. Yeah, I've known her for four years. So I've known her for a long time. Mm. And they've just been coming back and back and back. And so a lot of the people who are in classes now have, were in classes like se- September of 2016. Well, you know you're doing something right if they're coming back. Yeah. And they're coming back and they're yeah. coming back. And, and then I they bring to, their little brother. And again, like business-wise, I had to realize not everybody is going to take what I'm doing. Because I, no, I would heartache over the people who didn't come back. Like, really? what did I do wrong? Oh. And I think, okay, but like 90% of the people came back. So the 10% who didn't come back, I can't, not everybody can like everything I'm doing all the time. Right. I just have to keep doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. and have confidence that people are going to like it and stay. Well, you're going to start to attract your people. Yeah. Right? Yeah, particularly because I would say um, 50% of, of the people who are coming through the door are referrals. Yeah. People are saying, you have to come to this class with us. See? Yeah, it happens all the time. Nice. So that's been the bi- the, the biggest business thing, mm. is figuring out how to get people in the door, figuring out how to run a business. Now, you were running Facebook ads for a while. That's how actually how I found oh. you. I was, as of September, yeah, Hamilton's good for Facebook. Yeah. Hamilton has a pretty active Facebook um, community. Yeah. Um, I ran paper ads that got me nowhere. Mm. I ran ads... Um, in the Hamilton Fringe, 
um, programs mm. for like the kid shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. They got Zip. Nothing. I ran um, a couple in in papers, and it just it it got absolutely nowhere. But the Facebook thing, yeah, it's I like it because it's easy to control, and it you can see immediate results. Like people get in touch, and then they say, "Okay, we'll come and visit." And I offer a free trial class, so oh, if they fun. like it, okay. they, they can just come and drop in and do it. Nice. Yeah. Well, okay. Now, what are your musical my musical challenges? challenges. Um. So part of the musical challenge is to keep it fresh for me. Yeah. Okay. Let's um, talk about that. I'm running between six and eight classes a week. Um, at first, all of those classes were really different mm. um, content-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, my infant's class hasn't run since September. Mm. I had an infant's class that was pretty big. And then those those moms um, finished their mat leave and couldn't come back. And so those oh. kids aren't back. Right. Um and so that that class hasn't run for a while. And there was a the the songwriting class. I had ten kids in it by the end by June of last year, and those kids um, have basically aged out. Right. Like they're, and so I don't I don't have anybody filling that space yet either. Um, so my content has got more and more similar from one class to the next, only because I'm taking what is working and doing more of it. Of course, right? Um, which means that I'm singing. <laughs> Uh, my my sessions last eight weeks. I'm singing some of those songs 50, 60 times. And wow. we start every class with the same song and finish every class with the same song, regardless of the session. Oh, okay. Because of bookending. Because right. it helps the kids. Yeah. It cues the kids to, hey, class is beginning. Hey, class is ending. Um, it's a little confusing because they're in the exact same key. And so occasionally kids get confused, grab their boots when we're singing the, <laughs> the first one. And we're like, no, we haven't had class yet. Um but for me to keep it to keep it musically fresh, um, so that I'm not going crazy mm-hmm. singing the same thing again, I try and write a song every session. That is um, so cool because you, that way I I'm learning it. Mm-hmm. I mess up the words for the first month after after mm-hmm. you know I've written it. <laughs> um, but also it's fun for me to see how it works in class and to experiment with different ways of doing it. Mm. Um, I, I do take the songs that we're doing and if this is a moving around song we'll use it as a percussion song or we'll try a different way of doing oh, it oh neat okay try and mix up the the way that we approach songs right. a lot um in part because it's good for me but in part because it's good for the kids yeah um to see music as a flexible organic thing not to mm. see it as this is what we do with this song and that's it that is that's one of the things that I love talking to you about is how you you repurpose and you change yeah. and you go because there is so much in a song right yeah and we do get stuck yeah um, you know I know for me as a voice teacher we approach the songs the same way and and we kind of go on autopilot yeah and we're missing all these learning opportunities do. and teaching opportunities by yeah. digging into it differently I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's you have to be very conscious of it mm-hmm. for sure, because it's it's easy to just fall into it and just do mm-hmm. the same thing again and again and again and rest on your laurels. Because you're working in groups, yep, uh, and you're watching the kids, and you see the ones that are struggling. Let's say they're struggling. Maybe they're shy. Maybe they yeah. don't get a concept. Right. See, as a private teacher, I have the one-on-one, so right. I get to address that. But in a group, yeah. That's one of my challenges because I have a small introductory vocal music class and it's hard for me because I'm used to the one-on-one. So when I got two kids talking to me at one time, my brain kind of locks up on me right? because I'm used to not having those distractions. So how do you you keep everybody involved? Yeah, it's a pretty different uh, 
class yeah. from that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because they are preschoolers. Yeah. Um, how do I keep everybody involved? I don't expect them to be involved. How's that? Okay. Yeah, Ooh, I that's don't. fair. Um, it's a 45-minute class and they're little. Okay. I mean, I, I have kids 18 months and up. Mm, as long okay. as they're walking, they can be in my classes. Okay. How's that? Um, and so developmentally, they process the content really differently. Yeah. Like a, an 18-month-old can't pretend to be a... Mm. Just, it's not... Mm-hmm. Their brain isn't capable of so it. So your they expectations are different. My expectations are different, but I also, for 45 minutes, um, yeah, I say to the parents, I don't expect your kids to engage for the whole class. It's just I, my brain doesn't engage for the whole class. I try really hard, but it doesn't always happen, right? I don't, I don't see parents super focused for 45 minutes. How can I see uh, kids do it? And so I, I, it's a much different thing. I assume that they are processing the music mm. and that they are learning it, whether or not they're engaging the way I expect them to. So my daughter is 11, but my son Oliver is six, and I took him to a Music Together class. Oh, when he was three. Yeah. And I said to the facilitators, look, is it going to be okay if he's not, you know, engaged the whole time? They were like, sure, we have kids who run around. And I thought, okay, great. And so we went to a music class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ollie spent, it was a 45-minute class. Ollie spent 45 minutes lapping the class, running the circuit <laughs> of the, the whole class. Wow. And I saw other kids who, you know, would run away and then come back to their parents and run away and then come back. And I was mortified. I was just like, I know what's going on? But during the week, he would sing the songs that we were doing in class. He had favorite songs that we were doing. And I thought, So he was processing just in his own terms. And I have to point that out to the parents. So the the academic validity of different learning styles apparently is in question. But I watch it. I've Mm -hmm. seen it in class that some of those kids are kinetic learners and clearly that's what Oliver was my son that he was like running around the whole class but then when we finished class he'd be singing the songs as we left and I thought what is going on some of those kids um, sit and stare and observe and watch everybody else in class and don't sing and then yep sing all week some of those kids are right in there and doing what everybody is doing and some of those kids are like seem to be completely distracted all over the room doing whatever they want but they're all engaging it. They're just engaging it in different ways. And then I took Oliver back a year later to do music classes. And it was like a, a switch had flipped. And he hmm. was suddenly developmentally in a different place. And he was desperately trying to do what everybody else was doing. Like wow. trying to tap sticks along with everybody. Try, like he was, yeah, something had switched. Wow. So he went from from one level of, of engagement to another. And it wasn't. And that's not quite right. He went from one kind of engagement to another, but the level wasn't different. How's that? Wow. He was still taking it in. He was still engaging yeah, it. It's just, just a, in different yeah, way. it was just a different way. That's really interesting because with my my little intro vocal class, I, I got some feedback from uh, some of the moms and the, you know the first couple of classes. A, a lot of a lot of my little singers are shy, so they weren't really they were they weren't singing out. Right. And, and there's no pressure for them to sing out. We're just get, we're just playing games. We're just having fun. But then mm-hmm. I got the feedback that they sing all the time at home. Which is amazing. And I'm like, yeah. great. Then then that is, they're still taking it all in. And when yeah. they're in their safe place, yeah. they feel comfortable to let it out. That's exactly. wonderful. And we'll, we'll build up on that skill, you know, in their own way, in yeah. their own terms. I love that. 
you do CDs. Yep. Okay, I want to talk about that. So okay. you, you're you recording these children's CDs, uh-huh. and um, the parents are requesting you. Clamoring you, for them. That's amazing. Like the next one is due on the family day weekend. Get to work. Yeah. No, well, that's it. <laughs> I was Because I have a parent who has bought 10 or 12 copies of the last three that I put out. Wow. And who has a birthday party coming up. Oh, and, and he said, wants to. We oh. want, well, I want to put them in all of the loot bags so you wow. get, get cracking. Yeah, which is great. Um, I'm having a bit of an artistic block right now. I've got, really? I've got eight tracks done out of what I want to be 10. Um, but it's that's two weeks from now. That's fine. That's a good time. <laughs> it, well, from your, from your conversation today, it seems that you work well under pressure. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, I took a week off of recording because I was sort of stuck in an artistic loop. I was sort of hitting my head against a wall. Oh, a bit. okay. And okay. so I said to my partner staff, I'm I'm gonna go hands off for a week. This will be the fourth one that I've put out in eighteen months, sixteen months. Wow. It's yeah. It's a little bit insane. Yeah. And after that I will take a break. Yes. For the love of my relationship <laughs> <laughs> and my artistic health and all that stuff. Yeah. Wow. But it, and this is all the music that, that you're doing with the kids. Oh, and that's quite on purpose. So that was one of the things that I knew I couldn't compete with with Music Together. Is Music Together is probably the first um, music, like group music program that was was um, brought out, institutionalized is what I want to say. It's not what okay. I mean. Because they've been around since the 50s. And right. so they've had a long time to develop curriculum. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their stuff... Most of their music is is based on the folk canon. Um, but it means that every session that you start, every 10-week session comes with a new CD and a book, a song oh. book, which is great. Yeah. Because then the kids take the music home. They're doing it at home. Mm-hmm. It, that's the idea is that you're doing all the music mm-hmm. like together mm-hmm. as a family. And right. then you just come and do it as a big group once mm-hmm. a week. Um, and so I've started producing CDs because, um, I, A, I want my kids to have the same... Um, opportunity the same um, model of I want mm. them to have the music at home so they can sing it right and as soon as I started doing that the kids could sing the songs in class nice right, right. Um, uh, but also it's not it's a lot of that material is material that I've written mm-hmm. so it doesn't exist anywhere, anywhere else. else yeah um, and it was an excellent source of <laughs> income mm. it was a little bit of a boost for my first year of, of business right. when, when things you know were quite tight mm-hmm. Um. But creatively, it's amazing for me. Mm. It's so great to be able to just like go in and when I say go in, I mean turn off the furnace and take over our living room. Right. Yep. Yes. It's not a so, studio. Right. <laughs> well, which is which is exactly what's happening here. Do you feel the basement getting crazy? Yeah, my cold? toes are getting cold. I know, right? So <laughs> so that's the challenge of having a recording studio in your home and in the bigger challenge is to remember to turn the furnace back on. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> mm. Um, I, well, I want to wrap things up with you. And first okay. of all, I want to thank you so I'm much. So glad I here. find what you're doing so inspiring. It's really fun. I want to say the, the kind of the one, my basic philosophy, it's funny. Cause I was like, Oh no, you're going to ask me. My basic philosophy is immersion. So we have ki- we have our kids in an immersion school. My basic philosophy of the, of teaching kids music at the age that I'm teaching them, um, is that I find the way that music is taught in the school system really backwards. There is no other language where you um, stick a book in front of a kid and get them to learn a language. Like that's not, 
you know, the way that we, the way that immersion works in the school system is they are surrounded by the language mm -hmm. and then they start to make basic sounds in that mm -hmm. language and then mm -hmm. they can they string together a sentence. It's not quite true. I'm watching Ollie learn French and he's learning, he's reading at the same time. Mm -hmm. But it's very, very basic. Yeah. And it's all putting things together with an instrument. You get, you get given your instrument and you get sheet music put in front of you and, and told like now make the association <laughs> like the instrument is coded because that's finger coding right and the the notes are a double level of coding <laughs> and so no other language is taught that way so what i'm doing is immersion i'm giving them surrounding them with music and getting them to make really basic sounds and then string together a really basic musical sentence so that, that eventually they can have some sort of working vocabulary in music so that when they get into a school system they're starting to learn music the paper in front of them makes more sense. The instruments make more sense. Melodies make sense. They have sort of the basic structure of music in their heads. Mm -hmm. I'm laying the groundwork. That's brilliant. Mm. That's brilliant. I love that. Thanks. My classes are very play-based. Oh, I love on, that. On purpose, again, because it's, yeah, it's getting to know a language. It's getting familiar with how music works on a really fundamental, on a very basic level. Like, it's really engaging the body. Yes. A lot. And, uh, and when they're little kids, so much of learning about the world is is that. Yeah. It's not learning about the world in a language way. It's experiencing right. it. Right. right. Well, and, and that's one of the reasons why I was so excited to talk to you. Because that's one of the things for for singers that I think is missing, in like young singers, in their mm. lessons is that, one, play-based learning. Yeah. Right? Um, we, don't, we don't need to... to necessarily dive into repertoire right away like we want we want them just to explore just yeah. to play just to feel and just have a conversation like what was that how Again, did that feel talking about parents it's one of the main reasons that i really like having parents in class and that <sighs> i tell parents to engage is because when the parents are singing the kids will sing mm -hmm. if the parents aren't singing the kids won't even the if, even if the parent can't carry a melody it doesn't mm -hmm. matter well, yeah. whatever that means right um i'm not a trained vocalist so i think that helps in class um, that that I'm just kind of singing the voice that comes out of me. I Which I think is awesome. <laughs> I can carry a tune, but it's really helpful. It it doesn't matter how, how well I carry a tune. The mm -hmm. kids will not try and sing unless their parents are singing. As soon as the parents are singing, you can hear the kids chime in. That's an interesting That's really teacher takeaway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I often hear that from parents, like, oh, well, I don't sing. I'm right. Like, We've done we this reification thing that. with, you know, American Bandstand and the Ugh. voice and all that Ugh. stuff. All of that stuff, turning it into something that only experts do. It's such a funny way. That's not the way that we used to engage music. Before recorded music, well, that's not true. There were still experts. You would still go to a concert. But, but people also sang together. That's, how, yeah. that's why folk music exists. It's music right. that people used to sing together. It was community building. It was, mm -hmm. it was Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing. So happy to and, be here. Thanks um, for having me. As, as always, I will look forward to our after-school chats about Yay. all things music education and... And baseball. Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Ben, I'm going to... Are you okay with people reaching out with for questions? Sure. I'll, I'll leave all your... Uh, and you have a website, too. I do. Okay. It's long. So, I was Mr. Ben, and the business, the business was Open Door Music, so it's right. now Mr. Ben's Open Door Music. I love that. So dot it's .ca. Dot .ca. I think I, I, think I bought dot .com. You can try it out and let me know. Okay, so I'll put I'll put links routes. on the podcast page Good. and uh, any contact information that you can give them. And For sure. uh, can I put links to your CD? So the website has, if you, yeah, sure. Okay, <laughs> it's mrben.bandcamp.com. Oh, okay, but I'll it's put like that it's actually there. there's a there's a media drop down on the website that has all of those listed okay. too. Okay, oh, all right, both wonderful. Of those would be great. I think a lot of teachers would be interested in that. It's fun. 
Thank you yeah. so much. This has been fun. Great conversation. Yeah. So there you are. A very special thank you to uh, Mr. Ben Bowen for coming in and uh, talking to me on the Full Voice podcast. And I would love to finish off this podcast with one of Ben's songs. This is Spring Song from his CD, Beautiful Day.
Canoe Music. Canoe Music.ca.